to make an impact in the GTA, you got to spend $100,000 a month. Even that, to break even on a hundred grand a month is difficult. You have to be efficient. You have to get the right deals and you have to track every incoming call. So it's not that easy. You can spend the money, but if you're not getting the return on it, you're just wasting your time. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Thanks for this episode. If you're interested in finding out how we can help you grow your mortgage business, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com. We're constantly creating new training, masterclasses, and workshops on a variety of topics. For instance, if you want to learn how to pitch a brand new realtor and walk away with a referral after a single meeting, we can help you do that. Check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com to find out more details. And thanks for checking out this episode. Today on the show, my boy Chris Kalinske is interviewing Ron Alfonso. Ron is the CEO of Mortgage Outlet. It's a mortgage company based out of Toronto, and they specialize in private and B deals. And this interview is very interesting because Ron is one of the good guys. I've met people in kind of the private space before, and some of them are just, uh, they're kind of shady. Ron seems like a solid dude, shares some stories about how he's helped clients and how to run a successful business if you're going to focus on B or private lending. I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. Check it out. And thanks to my boy, Chris, for doing this episode. What's up, Broker Nation? This is Chris Kalinske, and I'm your host for this episode of the I Love Mortgage Brokering podcast. And for today's episode, I have Ron Alfonso from the Mortgage Broker Store based out of Toronto, Ontario here to talk a little bit about his business and kind of what he focuses on, which is private mortgages. Ron, thanks for uh, being on the episode today. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. So do you want to just kind of get us started and and tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got in the business? Okay. First off, our company is Mortgage Broker Store. My name's Ron Alfonso. I'm the principal broker of Mortgage Broker Store. Everybody's got their own story on how they got in this business and mine's just as unusual as everybody else's. We were lending on various mortgages just privately, you know, by myself and had a few mortgages. They were doing well, but we couldn't get enough of them. Okay. I went to different brokers and agents and I'd get occasionally one here or there. So it turned out the only way we could get enough mortgages was to become a mortgage broker. And that's that's how we got here. It, it's, it wasn't a plan. It was just we had to do it to make the business work. Absolutely. So you you broker mortgages and you do your own lending. That's correct, right? Correct. Yes. So imagine this. The most efficient method for any lender is to generate their own deals. And then on top of that, if you're the broker of it, you control the quality, you control the leads, you have a much better knowledge of the entire deal, whether we want to keep it ourselves. So sometimes we'll keep the deal for just our private purposes. Sometimes we'll give it to other lenders, whether it's an A deal, B deal, whatever. Okay. Totally. And so how long have you been a lender for and how long have you been a broker for? A lender? 20, 25 years we've been lending As a broker, we were actually, so what we did first was we put a website together and then we were told by Fisco that just brought in the rules that we had to become an agent before you can become a broker. You got to be an agent. Totally. So so then I went and wrote all the courses, became an agent and started working for another company. So say I've been a agent broker for about 12 to 15 years. Okay. Perfect. So before we dive into your story, 
I'd like to ask, you know, is there a success quote that's impacted your life or business that you'd like to share? And how has that quote, you know, how has it affected you in your life or business? I don't think I can quote it exactly, but the genesis of it is the harder you work, the more you try, the luckier you'll get. And it's really true. If you don't put the effort into something, you'll never get lucky. It's simple. Totally. Hard, hard work. Hard work. That's where it's at. So that, no, that's good stuff. Can you share a story about something you failed at and how you've maybe learned from that, that failure? Oh, specifically in uh, mortgage brokering. It's a really, that's a really great question because that is one of the primary reasons we changed the way we operate. Okay. So initially I'd get deals from various other agents or brokers. Yep. And we just get the deal in and we'd fund it. Lo and behold, we'd lose money on that deal. Why? Well, we did not have enough knowledge. We did not understand the deals. And our failures made us go back and really review our process. Why did we fail on this deal? Well, we didn't analyze the property value correctly. And then another big issue was we didn't understand all the legal ramifications of the particular deal. So that what would happen is, you know, when everybody does mortgage, there's the broker, the agent, the borrower, the lender, and then the lawyers. And if you don't understand what the lawyers are doing, you lose money. So I'd say half of our deals we lost money on because of legal issues. That's when we really started to get into the legal aspect of it. I think it's so important that, in my opinion, in order to be successful, you got to be failing. So being successful and failure come hand in hand because you don't get to be successful without failing and, and learning from those failures. So it's, uh, I know for myself, it's really helped me become the broker I am today because I failed a lot. <laughs> and so it's really helped me become who I am today. So no, that's, that's uh, good information. What's the best business advice would you say that you've received? Who'd you receive it from? It was a former employer of mine, and we were in the sales team. And once again, we were trying to market these products. And we thought we had a good plan, but it didn't work. We simply weren't getting the sales that we targeted. The owner of the company came up and said to us simply, you know, guys, we're failing, but at least we know we failed in, in that particular segment, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's look at alternatives. Let's see how we can reposition the product and sell it and make it successful. And that's what we did. Uh, it was a little gut-wrenching to know that you failed. and Absolutely. It's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. But if you can sit back and just objectively say, listen, this is not working. Try something new. When people are really passionate and they're really trying, they really believe in this, but it's not working, they're missing the point that it's not working. Step back, reevaluate the system or the situation and take a look at alternatives. Always look at the alternatives. It's because sometimes I know even for myself, sometimes I get this tunnel vision where I get this vision or this, you know, this idea and I'm just dialed into it. And it's really hard, you know, if it's not working and you really want it to work so bad, you got to have that self-control to be like, look, this isn't working. Let's get off this. And let's, let's try find something else that will work. Right. So that's, that's good advice. 
So the reason why I actually wanted to, I got onto your trail, I'm pretty active on the I Love Mortgage Brokering Facebook page. And somebody asked a question a few months ago, and I can't remember what that question was, but Jonathan's your son, right? Yes. Jonathan, yeah. Yes. So, so he answered the question, but then he also posted a link to a global news article where you were interviewed, where you ended up saving these clients, your clients over, I think it was over $200,000 or something like that. And so I saw this, I was like, man, most of my business is A, B business. I do a bit of private, but you're so niche in that private industry where, you know, you had the ability to save these clients a considerable, like you save them more money than what their mortgage was worth. And so can you maybe talk about a little bit about that on, on A, how, how you got those and B, how you ended up saving this client all that money? Sure. Okay. So in that particular situation, the couple owned a house in Scarborough, the lender sold them or provided one mortgage for them. He then provided another small mortgage and then put a lien based on that mortgage and then another lien on top of that, okay? Which is all fine, but essentially, it's just one big mortgage from one, it's all from one lender, by the way, okay? So now they decide to take them to power of sale. What they did was, instead of having one power of sale, which is the equivalent of covering everything, they started, I think, five or six of them. So the legal action should have maximum costed 20 or 30,000. Okay. I think the number we had at the time was almost $500,000 in legal costs. So essentially, when I got involved, the couple, they were just about to lose their house. They were about to be evicted. It was Christmas time. I went to their house, took a look. They had four little girls, like we're talking age two to maybe 12, okay? Right. And they're about to be evicted. They were shaking, nervous, you know, anybody would be scared in that situation. Totally. So I took my time. I I went over the paperwork. It was like four or five inches thick. I read it all. Very confusing. It's all in legalese from the lawyers. If you don't know what you're reading, you can't put it all together. After two weeks, I started to communicate with the lawyers and the lenders who basically stonewalled me. They did not want to make any compromise. So I went back and really did my digging on their procedures and how they came up with all these numbers. Now, I have a very strong background in mortgages, real estate litigation, and so on, okay? I'm not a lawyer, but I know my stuff inside out. I deal with the top litigation lawyers every day. After, uh, I think, about two or three months, I talked to them. We prepared a document outlining their errors their deficiencies, where they were legally at default, and their liability on this particular situation. I also contacted the actual lenders. So we do a lot of research. We looked up the law firm. Right. Then we went and went straight to the lawyer that for the law firm. Then a company held this. We pulled up the company articles. We went to the lender, got the lender. So I sent all the documents to everyone and I said, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't get back to me within one week, we're going to file in court. A few days later, they contacted me back and we started the negotiation to reduce it. The final 
amount that we reduced it by was just under $300,000. Wow. The homeowners sold their house about a year later and cleared about $600,000 upon selling and bought another smaller house mortgage-free. Okay. Wow. It took about four or five months. We didn't make hardly any money off it, but it felt really good to really help somebody. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, so not only were you able to get those fees lowered, because there were so many different registrations on there, you were able to get those fees lowered to what is manageable. And then you also got a separate mortgage set up to pay out what they did actually owe the lender, right? Temporarily until they sold their house. That's correct. Yes. For private mortgages, you're always trying to find some sort of exit strategy, right? And this, for me, this makes sense, right? Like the client just needs to get out of this and keep their house so that they have a place to live. And they had an exit strategy by having a separate mortgage set up to pay them out. And B, they had an exit strategy to sell eventually and buy somewhere that's more manageable. So yeah, that's awesome. We focus on a holistic approach. If we can't make it work for everyone, then it won't work. So you have to make it work for the lender, the homeowner. Everybody has to get a fair share. Maybe not everything they want, but a fair share. I like that. That's good stuff. My new question, I'm calling it my elevator question. So if you are in an elevator, so you walk in an elevator and there's somebody in there and you guys get talking a small talk and they get to ask you that golden question. I like calling it the golden question because I personally love when people ask me, what do I do? Because it gives me that soft way to be able to tell them, hey, I'm a mortgage broker. So they ask you, so what do you do? I want to hear your 30 second elevator pitch. Okay. Essentially, I'm a mortgage broker, but we specialize in powers of sales, foreclosures, and real estate litigation. I don't really handle a business. If you want that, go to a bank. But if you have a problem, a legal issue, an inheritance issue, and you cannot manage it in any way, your lawyer has a difficult time, and you can't get financing, then you call me. We handle all areas of it from the real estate part of it, sales, the financing, and the uh, legal aspect of it. We're not perfect, but we'll only do the deal if we can make everything better for you. I love it. You position yourself as a problem solver, not just, hey, come and use me, but a problem solver. I love that. That's what That's we good. do. You, you can't make this business work unless you solve a problem. The bigger exactly. the problem... The more we get paid, by the way, okay? <laughs> exactly. That's, that's life. So I, I think it's safe to say that is all the business that you do private or do you also, like if you put somebody into a private mortgage that they only need for six months for whatever reason, and then eventually they can be flipped into a B, will you do that B for them as well? Or do you have some that you refer that to? Okay. Our company handles mostly uh, private and B stuff. We do very little A. Your question, do we transfer them? So I'm doing that right now. They're losing their house. They're going to, well, this happened a month ago. So they were losing their house. We had to get them a private mortgage right away because a B lender would take too long. We got them the private mortgage. Then Jonathan handled arranging the B mortgage. So from our company funds, we stopped the eviction. Then it went to, I think, Home Trust funded it after after we did it, okay? So that's all part of our process. We look at it. How soon do we have to act? If we have enough time to get you a lower-cost mortgage with a B lender, then we do that. 
if there's a situation where it must go private, then I handle it myself personally. Because so if a client calls you and they're like, hey, you know, I need a mortgage and you're asking them the qualifying questions to figure out kind of, you know, are you an A client? Are you a B client? Or are you a private client? So if it's an A client, you're just like, just go to your bank or go to, you know, get an A mortgage. But if it's something else and you're like, hey, this is ultimately you want it to be the cheapest for them as possible. But, uh, you know, people typically aren't going to be calling you if they're uh, not going to be, you know, they need a private mortgage essentially. So. Yeah. Most of our clients that are calling us have some kind of issue. They've already been turned down by the banks. So once they've been turned down there, we know that either it's a lack of money, job, they're too old, divorce. There's so many issues that result in people not qualifying for the bank anymore. Okay. So our question then becomes detailed questions. Find out why they do not qualify with the bank anymore. And then find out, can we put them to a B lender? If we can't put them to a B lender, then it's private. And I have to say one thing here. We tell all of our clients, all of our costs up front on everything, not at the end, okay? The reason why we tell people all the costs and fees related to everything is because they need to know in advance to make an informed decision. They need to know that the A lender, B lender, is cheaper than us. There's a trade-off in cost. Is the private mortgage worth getting versus a B lender? How often would you say that you start working with a client and based on your questions you're asking, you're like, yeah, these guys are private clients. This is definitely going to fit in the private space. And you give them that fee up front. How many of them are balking at that and like, yeah, I'm going to try and find something else, but then eventually call you back and like, actually, Ron... That's such a great question. I'd say that over half balk at the fees initially, or they say, oh, another mortgage agent or broker told me (laughs) it's so much cheaper. You know, essentially they're saying we're ripoff artists, okay? Yeah, yeah. You know, but the other agent hasn't told them all the cost. For instance, we'll tell them, Okay, an appraisal is going to cost this much. A lawyer is going to cost that much. There may be a lender fee. There's a broker fee. There may be insurance required, okay? So that when we add up all these fees and we tell them the full total cost, they come back and say, oh, the other agent gave me a fraction of that. And then it's surprising, the exact ratio, I don't know how many come back, and it's usually two or three months later, they'll come back to us and go, Ah, uh, we work with that other broker agent and they tried and they tried, and they just couldn't do it. And then they go, whatever you want, Ron, now we're going to do it. And at that point, it becomes such an easy deal. It just gets through pretty quickly. I think a lot of clients are also, you know, they, they look at your fee and they're like, oh, then they call another broker, for example, and maybe they talk, they run the deal by a broker. Maybe they're not giving them all the information or that other broker is not asking the right questions. And then the other broker's like, yeah, I can do that cheaper. You know, like, and just kind of tossing some numbers out there just to try and win their business and get them in the door, right? And unfortunately, there are brokers that do that. But I think it's awesome that you, given how much these fees are going to cost or, you know, the cost of doing this private mortgage is upfront. Because not only are you saving them the, their time, but you're also saving your time and you're weeding out those ones that look at the fee and like, oh, I'm not paying this. I'm actually good with what I've got right now, right? So... Yes. Uh, Part of the thing is we have the luxury of having a lot of leads coming in. So from our point of view, as you're stating, it's 
a weeding out process. It lets the client know what it is, the cost. And if they don't want to deal with us, you know, we're not here to force you. We're just here to give you options. A big part of our job is explaining to people the cost of everything, okay? And then letting them choose what they want to pay on the different uh, mortgages. I've read a few articles about, you know, in the media about you and your company. And it seems to be consistent that they label you as a scrappy mortgage broker. And I love that term. The reason why they were saying that is because you actually go to bat for your clients and, and, you know, getting involved with their existing lenders. I know you mentioned it earlier on in this conversation. I know for myself, I almost never deal with my client's existing lender. I don't know if I should be changing that myself and getting more involved or it hasn't really posed an issue yet. But how often do you find yourself actually getting involved with your client's current lender? That is for our deals or the deals that I handle. That's quite common. So I don't know, almost all the time, basically. Wow, that's Uh, interesting. Here's the reason. When we're dealing with complicated files, and I handle all the complicated files, okay? Yeah, you have to be knowledgeable in all the paperwork. And then if you don't contact the lawyer or the lender directly to get the information, for instance, we need to know the legal status. Are they going to evict? Is this a file that we can um, bring back into good standing right away? There's a lot of details that we can get right away just by talking to the people. If I have to go around to my lawyer and their lawyer and go around in circles, it could take a month. Why why not just make a direct phone call? So just to give a little bit more background on that, in Ontario, there's a handful of what we call mortgage enforcement firms. They're primarily there to do powers of sales for closures and real estate litigation. We've been doing this for quite a while now. And I deal with these firms every week. So we're paying them out. We're arranging new mortgages. So now I don't have to be as scrappy as I once did because <laughs> I got to tell you, I can be, I can be pretty aggressive. Okay. For sure. For sure. And, and you know, That's what the client wants though. I mean, if they've, if they've got $300,000 being left on the table, I want someone scrappy to go for bad for me, you know? Yeah. I got to tell you, I don't, I, how can I say this politely? I have problems with some lawyers. Let's put it that way, okay? <laughs> I, think, I think we all do. <laughs> so, I just don't like being lied to, okay? And certainly oh, sure. some lawyers lie to you all the time, okay? And I know enough about it to know when I'm being lied to, and I call them on it right away. And we just say, no, you can't do that. And lawyers don't like that either. So that's when I start to get a little testy with them and we go back and forth. But fortunately that doesn't happen too often anymore. Cause I've already tangled with most of them. I've won basically every time I know what yeah. I'm doing. So now it's just like, come on, it's me calling. Here's the deal we're going to do. Accept it. And they take it now. Perfect. So you do quite a few deals. How do you handle, I guess I'm talking on the mortgage on the broker side of things. How would you handle the mortgage renewals? Do you just put them into a a product and then you let their mortgage comes up for renewal and then you just let them handle it? Or what are you doing at that time? Because I do know I've talked to a few private lenders and they said that it's surprising on how many renewals they actually keep because brokers just aren't contacting their clients and helping them, flipping them into something like a B or an A later. So how do you handle your renewals? Okay, so for all of our private mortgages, first off, renewals are built right into them, okay? If they want to renew, they can. 
Every year or two, we review the mortgage and, and we'll file, we'll, t- we'll contact the client and get an f- idea of what their situation is. We'd like to transfer them to a lower interest mortgage if we can, but sometimes you can't. For instance, an elderly person, we do a lot of rural mortgages, okay? Banks and B lenders really don't like those mortgages. So we're, we're holding them for uh, longest one is maybe five or 10 years. Okay. Whereas if it's an urban Toronto, say, deal, we can transfer that to a B lender fairly easily. So we look at each mortgage. We give everybody uh, the option to renew. And then if we can get them to a B, we transfer them over to it. Perfect. So after listening to many podcasts, talking to successful brokers and, and actually interviewing some myself, I'm starting to realize that or notice that successful brokers in our industry always have some sort of system and processes in place to help them close and handle the amount of deals that they're, they're handling. So things like teams, leads, where they're getting the leads from, what kind of systems they have in place. So let's start off with, with teams. And do you have a team? Is there a team that you have? And if you do, who's on it? Okay. Yes, we have a team. First off, we have Jonathan who handles all the marketing and internet systems. And that's your son. That's my son. Correct. Yes. Yes. Then we have content writers for all of our web pages, articles, informational documents, PDFs, and so on that we put out. Then we actually have our web developers. Most of our business is all web-based, okay? So we have to have a lot of people on the web development side. We have people who handle designs, Unix systems, and then we have SEO specialists as well. So we have a significant number of people just in the web development area. These people here would all be contractors. Like whenever you need help with something, you just reach out to them and, and they're just like, yeah, here's some content or here's, you know, or they're constantly up, you know, updating the SEO on your site, that kind of stuff, right? Most of them are full-time employees. These are not just wow, okay. contractors. Awesome. They're on the payroll full-time. Nice. Like I said, we do a lot of this. Yeah, yeah. We actually have more people working on the website than we do have handling mortgages. It's unusual, but what we've done is we've made our process in the uh, website and the lead generation so efficient that we actually need less people to handle and arrange a mortgage. I like that. That's awesome. The fact that you're focusing a lot of your energy in the online world is like, if someone, even if someone refers to you, which is in our industry, if someone refers to you, something that's like gold, right? It really means a lot if someone can refer you a business. There's trust there that's already kind of established right off the bat. But if someone's referring me to somewhere, I'm still going online and Googling that person or looking them up on social media or, you know, making sure this person or, or company exists. So it's super important to have that, uh, that online component. So awesome. Now leads, I'm assuming you probably answered this already with uh, the online component, but where are your leads coming from? Is it coming from your website? The majority of our leads come from our website. We also get them from real estate agents, other mortgage agents and brokers, whenever they have issues, We get those on a regular basis and we get them from uh, lawyers who are having problems with their clients. These are usually deals that require private mortgage. They're complicated deals. We get them from a lot of different areas, but once again, primarily from the internet. Okay. 
Okay. Do you guys do any marketing at all? Like not, I'm not talking about like the SEO or, or website, but like any marketing they do radio billboards, anything like that, social media stuff. Basically we've done it all. Okay. Yeah. We, yeah. we've done some radio. We've done flyers like you wouldn't believe. We've done newspaper. We've spent large amounts of money on all the different media. We find that we're getting the best bang for the buck on the internet. We've noticed that the print media is not that effective. Radio can be better than the print, but you really have to track your numbers. You have to know where your leads are coming from. And no matter what you do, it's expensive. It's very expensive. Yeah. Especially in your market, like Toronto, bigger centers, you're, you're battling a lot of people to get in front of a lot more people, right? So it's going to be it's really expensive to 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 any sort of marketing in larger centers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ten or $20,000 a month is nothing. That's just starting, okay? To make an impact in the GTA, you got to spend $100,000 a month. And Oof. even that, to break even on a hundred grand a month is difficult. You have to be efficient. You have to get the right deals and you have to track every incoming call. So it's not that easy. You can spend the money, but if you're not getting the return on it, you're just wasting your time. Well, that leads me into my next thing is systems. So what systems do you have in place to manage those calls, to manage those leads, to, you know, do you have some sort of deal flow, like a program that you use to manage your deals at all? What do you, what do you use? <laughs> we use multiple systems, of course. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Okay, so let's go through the process in general. So they're going to go into the internet. They're going to respond on our website. It's going to come in. It's going to generate a lead, okay? Then from there, it's recorded in call rail, which records the audio. The program is called Call Rail. So all you mortgage agents and brokers out there, get Call Rail. Okay, <laughs> it's going to cost you a couple of bucks, but we'll toss we'll toss it in the in the show notes. We'll put a link to to Call Rail. Okay, so now it comes in there, right? From there, it's going to go into a program called HubSpot. HubSpot records it, and it says the name, phone number, and it's HubSpot's kind of like a CRM. Okay. Yeah. I use HubSpot myself, actually. I use it for the deal flow. I have it set up. So it's like I have the lead status. It's like a drag and drop Kanban system. That's changed my business. Correct. Now you can tell what's going on. It tracks it. You can say in progress, unqualified, you know, call back. Did you also know that you can put little features on it so that you can automate it? So down the road, after a month or two, it sends automatic emails to these people. Did you also know yeah. you can record a voice message and have the voice message go out? Okay. I did not know that. There you <laughs> that go. That's awesome. A little tip for you, okay? So that's how we track. That's how we're more efficient. So what we're doing is we're using systems to enhance the productivity of our staff. Love it. So HubSpot, CallRail are the ones that you're really using to manage those leads and end calls. That's awesome. That's, that's great information. Let's move into the rapid fire questions. You can answer these as fast as you want or as detailed as you want, uh, but usually they're kind of a little more fun questions to okay. ask. What's one program or app that you can't live without? I don't want you saying your phone or your computer because we all can't live without those things, but what's something more specific that you can't live without? 
Okay. The one program that I cannot live without, as a matter of fact, I have multiple accounts of it, is Purview. So Purview is software from Terranet. What does it do? I mean, you probably know exactly what it's doing, Chris. It's giving you an average value of a property in any area or city or town. Now, the reason why it's so important is we can look at that property and we can say, okay, it's worth $100,000 or $500,000. And bonus, they're telling us how much mortgages is related to that property. Wow. Another bonus is it's giving us the PIN number, the name of the person, comparable sales for the area, okay? So with that one program, I can tell if this is a qualified lead or an unqualified lead. See, I don't have purview in Saskatchewan. We don't have that. So we don't even have anything that's anywhere near that at all. We're doing things old school. We have we have multiple sources that we're going to. And if I want to know approximate values, I got to call my appraiser and be like, hey, what do you think? And it's it's kind of a pain. So having a program like Purview would be so valuable here. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's the foundation for speeding up a lot of our decisions. Nice. So... Uh, this dollar amount seems a little low based off of you said you need to spend at least 100000 a month to do any impact in marketing. But if I was to give you, or if you had $100,000 right now that you could allocate to better your business, where would you put that right now? The very first thing we'd do, if we, we'd started from scratch, let's say, okay, we'd build a marketing plan. I'd consult with our team, find out timeline, what's the most effective use of the money. And we start developing our marketing. Uh, so that would probably mean more web pages, more interviews with media outlets, putting out more press releases. We'd create videos, more online videos. And we'd gradually build a following, just like you are, on YouTube, okay? Yep. And we prepare more trade shows. Trade shows are expensive. One trade show in Toronto is going to cost you between ten dollars and $20,000. Wow. For a hundred thousand, how many trade shows can you do? It's not that right. Many. Wow, that's crazy. A hundred thousand would go a lot more in Saskatoon, where I'm from, than in Toronto. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Do you read books? If so, what book would you recommend? Okay, this is a great book. Okay, and everybody, you gotta read. I don't know if you read this book, Chris, but you gotta read it. The Big Short. I haven't. I've watched the movie, but I haven't read the book. Okay, the movie is great. It's a great movie, okay? The book gives you so much more detail on the thought process and how they developed this and why they did certain things. It really lays out how to observe a market in free fall, which is right now really important. We're going through COVID-19. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy time right now, that's for sure. And it's explaining their thought process and saying, Do we think we're doing the right thing? Everybody, the herd is doing something different. The only way we make money is to do the opposite. So it takes a lot of courage to do the opposite of everybody else. And it just showed how these guys took that risk and it explains it. It's a great read. Just we'll throw in the show notes too. That's, that's awesome. What do you think in your opinion, what is the number one thing holding most mortgage brokers back from being successful? Once again, great question. I think it's, they're lacking the risk. 
they don't want to take chances. Fear of failure. Totally. If you don't fail, you didn't try hard enough, okay? You didn't get lucky. If you don't fail, you won't get lucky. Right. So it's a combination of things. So what we do here at Mortgage Broker Store is we're trying multiple different ideas and different marketing plans on a regular basis. Most of them take many, many months to develop. And then after six months or eight months or whatever, wow, I found out that I just dropped a whole bunch of money. What a waste. It didn't work. But lo and behold, this other one that eh, I just didn't think would work. Now that one made money. But you won't know until you try. Exactly. That's good. And then what would you say is your biggest pet peeve in our industry? Uh, For mortgage agents and brokers, I'd say their lack of knowledge on handling B mortgages and private mortgages. They seem to think that a, a B and a private is same process as an A mortgage. They're totally, totally different animals. The steps involved, very, very different. If you want to focus on A mortgages, great. But don't go telling somebody who does not qualify for an A that, yes, you can get them a private mortgage very, very easily. You have to understand the criteria of a private mortgage. You have to understand the process. and You have to know who the lenders are. Okay? Just don't go out there and say, we're going to get it without knowing who your lenders are. So more education, better understanding. We'll make all of our clients much happier, and it makes our industry look better and more efficient. And we can do more deals in general. Nice. And now my last question is, it's Scott's famous question, his DeLorean question. So you know the movie Back to the Future? Yep. Jump in the car, they jump the DeLorean, they go back in time and anytime they want. If you could go back to your first day in the business, what's three things you would tell yourself? Wow. That's a great question, too. All right. First day, invest more. Invest more. Spend spend money to make money. Correct. Okay. Mind you, I didn't have a huge amount of money when we started, okay? But, you know, if you're making money, it just makes more. As my son Jonathan says, you bring a bunch of money to the party, they just bring their friends and all their money to the party as well, okay? So yep. that's the one thing. The next thing is I would have started on the internet systems earlier. We would have developed it much, much stronger. We would have spent more time in all the development stages and all the programming stages. It would have made us much, much bigger. Now there's a lot of competition in it. To make any impact now is going to cost significantly much more money. And can you afford to go against the big banks in certain areas? Next point is I would have spent more time, or I didn't even know that I should do this, that I should have spent more time hiring specific people for certain jobs. Yes. I'm fairly good at certain things, but like everybody else, I'm not great at everything. So I'm very good at the marketing, the outlines and so on, but I'm not so great at internet systems. I should have hired my internet people much, much earlier. I should have hired my uh, media people much earlier. I should have done 
many things much earlier. But I, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, truly hiring the media people, the internet staff and so on, right off the start would have made a huge impact to our business. No, that's great. I think that's some great advice just for anyone, not even just new to the industry, but people that maybe haven't, well, there's a lot of brokers out there I find that are, I know I was guilty of it, where we just tried to do everything we could. I mean, we had time to do it. So we just tried to do everything, but I'm not a specialist in web design. I'm not a specialist in video production or, you know what I mean? Like I'm not a specialist in any of that. What I'm a specialist in is mortgages. So why not just focus on that and have other people handle it, right? Yeah, it's simply being efficient. That's all it comes down to. Awesome. Well, this has been awesome. I'm uh, super stoked to put this out there. Last question for you is, if people are trying to reach out to you, where can they find you? They can contact me at ron at mortgagebrokerstore.com. That's ron at mortgagebrokerstore.com. They can also call me directly at 416-499-2122. That's 416-499-2122. Awesome. Well, Ron, thank you very much for being a guest on this episode. I look forward to seeing more from you in the future. Thank you for having us, Chris.